Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, though I guess today it's like three times in one day because that's what we're on today, but that's fine. This podcast is all about The Last Dance episodes three and four. Oh, man. Just came upstairs from the basement, was watching it in my chair, settled in. Knew it was going to be good and was not disappointed in the episodes that we got. I think that we took a step forward in the storytelling that went on here. And it was it was great to see some of that behind the scenes stuff. The Scott Burrell stuff just getting Jordan just out here snitching. Just letting people know that Scott Burrell's out here doing dirt in these streets. That was hilarious. I really loved what they did in kind of explaining in episode three how Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson were almost like these kindred spirits. I thought that was really cool. And you knew the type of player that Phil was. Phil was a dude that would elbow you. You know, he, he I love that parallel that they drew between how how Phil understood Dennis to a greater extent than maybe other people did because they were similar. Like they were similar players and he kind of got them. It's funny, even though they had that in the preview about him taking the, the 48 hour sabbatical, it was really funny to hear Jordan explain exactly why Rodman wasn't going to be back in 48 hours. I also thought it was a, a bold choice to, Show Dennis drinking the Miller Lite and then jumping on the the Harley. Talk about drinking and driving. There it was for you right there. But I enjoyed watching that. And I'm so glad if you've been listening to this podcast, if you go back a little bit, I spent some time talking about Tex Winter. And it's so funny because I used the same piece of video the thing is last week, like right in my preview f- before we got started with the last dance, I was talking about Tex Winter and him 
developing the triangle offense in 1952 in Manhattan, Kansas. And then I... Because I was reading up on Bulls history before this whole thing started. And I love that you have in Johnny Bach and Tex Winter a defensive and offensive coordinator under Phil Jackson. And Tex clearly was an offensive innovator. And his ability to teach that offense to a player that wanted no part of that offense. And then was able to see why it would be beneficial to run that offense that way was dope. The other part that I've always been curious about was what was Phil Jackson's impact? And I think that even back in the day, if you were reading Sam or Lacey, it it almost felt like Phil Jackson was some sort of Svengali. And you can see that there are actual practical applications to some of the stuff that he was doing It wasn't just this kind of spacey, hippie-type vibe that a lot of people like to pigeonhole Phil Jackson as. He was making all the stuff that he was having these guys doing. Like, even them doing... I love seeing them doing yoga. Them doing yoga in, in 1997 or whatever it is. In the middle of the practice floor. Having guys just being present, trying to be in the moment. And that's that's great, great stuff. So I, I enjoy that. The Rodman episode was really interesting to me because the more you hear about Dennis Rodman, whether it's the 30 for 30, you hear about what his life was like, you understand that that was a vital moment in not just his career, but in his life. And I think that even he would say that he was lucky to have Phil Jackson at that point in his life. Can you imagine? And I I remember, I remember LeBron, remember LeBron took like a two week break, but that was more physical. Like he, he needed a two week break away from the team. LeBron wasn't out on South beach, like getting it in. Dennis is like, I, I just got to get out of here. The fact that Phil Jackson was able to understand and go, you know what, Dennis, you've been great while Scotty's been gone for these 35 games. You got it, fam. And he he has to then work it through with Jordan to get him to understand that it's really important for Dennis to get that time away so that he can be the best version of himself when he comes back and you can add him to the collective of him and Scotty. Like that's some genius level coaching, man. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you feel about Phil Jackson, that's a guy that truly understood how to get the most out of the players that were playing for him. Tremendous. That's tremendous stuff. You knew I was going to be mad about the Pistons thing, right? If you know me at all, if you've listened to the radio show at all, you know that I have disdain for Isaiah Thomas, and it's never, ever going to go away. I have friends that have covered Isaiah, that are friends with Isaiah, and they're like, he's not a bad guy. And I'm like, he's a bad guy. He's been a bad guy. He's a con man. And you saw the con man in him come out yet again when he's talking about walking off the floor. 
And I've heard the nonsense before. I heard John Sally talking about it, trying to explain it. Sally, by the way, one of the guys that didn't walk off the floor because he was tight with Jordan and and he was a decent human being. But he explained the whole, well, the Celtics had done it, had done it to them the year before. And that's why they felt the need to do it to the Bulls. I like what Jordan said. It's the perfect comeback. And I'm glad that he didn't want to hear it. I'm glad that he, even now, 30 years later, he understands that it was such a poor move by Lambeer and Zeke. Those two were the ringleaders. He understood that it was just a poor move and said, look, they beat us. They beat us up and they beat us. And we were still adults enough to shake their hand at the end of it. So you get your whooping and you walk off. It's it's just some Horace said it best. I don't even need to say it because Horace put it in a in, in in a way that everyone can understand exactly what it is that they were on. And it's why I won't I'm never going to let that go. And you saw an example. You know what? It amazes me that you can see the examples. From what Larry Bird and Magic Johnson say about Jordan and how they respond to Jordan a difference it's just different these are these are two iconic players not that Isaiah isn't because he is he's one of the best point guards ever played the game but you have those two dudes understanding what's going on and you have in Detroit a team that was very jealous and they had a right to be of the next thing that was getting ready to happen in the NBA I understand them wanting to be proud about, look, we're here. We're we're good enough to represent the NBA. You don't have to look anywhere else. You, you've got this team that's tough and physical and extremely talented. And the one thing I will say about the doc, I don't think that it did a good enough job explaining how good those Pistons teams were. They didn't win those two championships by just beating people up. You had great players on those teams that played great throughout that stretch run. But you heard Magic. Magic, hey, I found him in the hallway. These guys still had their uniforms on. Magic had lost the title. And and he was still gracious enough to understand what was happening and understand the moment and give him the props. If Isaiah wants to know why he didn't get to be on the dream team, there it is, fella. There it is. That's the reason you didn't get to go to Barcelona, fam. Because this is how you act. And what amazes me, what doesn't amaze me, it, I laugh at the fact that this is a guy who is from Chicago. And he gets no love here. And he shouldn't get any love here. Because that's how he acted. So I'm all for putting his ass on front street. I'm glad that they showed the video to Michael. Michael was like, this is. It doesn't matter what he says. It's. I'm getting fired. I'm about to go to bed. I'm supposed to be going to bed now. I'm not supposed to be thinking about Isaiah Thomas. 
out here lying, smiling in your face like he always does. Trying to act like he's not doing exactly what we all know he's doing. Tired of this. I'm glad the whole country got to see it for what it was. And I'm glad that the whole country got a chance to see Michael Jordan react the way that he did. And what Horace Grant had to say. Man, gone. All right, let me get back to episode four here. The the Jerry Krause stuff, just honestly, you talk about walking into, like, what are you doing? I don't understand the mentality behind the double and tripling and quadrupling down on, ah, we're going to move on from Phil. We're going we're gonna to totally move on from Phil. While your team's on the road, knowing that those people are going to answer those questions, shout out to Michael Jordan for this. And at the time when you're living in it, you don't appreciate it. As someone who's in the media now, I probably appreciate it a little bit more than even when I was a fan back then. The fact that you had this dude speak as openly about his displeasure with what's going on in the organization. And it's not disrespectful. It's, it is what it is. It's him answering questions. What, what you will notice is that Jordan did an incredible job of really cultivating goodwill through the media. This is this is what the great ones do. This is how they get covered well. You see him bringing the beat writers in. Like this level of access, especially like post game, it doesn't really exist anymore, but you see that Jordan had people. He had the beat writers. He knew he could talk to them. He had Ahmad Rashad. He had David Aldridge. He had Andrea Kramer. He knew that there were people that he could go to to get his message out there. And I'm just struck with, when it comes to Jerry Krause, a guy who's clearly really intelligent, but doesn't understand that his words carry more weight than he thinks. And that it's going to become public. And none of this stuff needed to be public. None of it. It's bizarre. The soundtrack for this thing is amazing. I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan, so hearing the Maestro by the Beastie Boys pop up was dope. I was all about Kumol D as a kid. I like Kumol D more than LL Cool J back in the day. So the fact that you have both of them on this is incredible. Then you add in the fact that you have Prince Party Man. Come on, man. It's like I did this documentary. The soundtrack of this documentary is like I did it. My favorite rapper of all time is Rakim. They had Rakim in here. My favorite musician of all time is Prince. They have Prince. I was a Modi guy. They have Modi. I have a I have a painting of the Beastie Boys on my wall. Like I was literally looking at a painting of the Beastie Boys while they're playing the Maestro by the Beastie Boys. That's what's up. I'm looking forward to episodes five and six of this thing. I hope you enjoyed uh, this as much as I did. 
it's been a fun walk down memory lane. And I, I can't wait for the next six episodes. And the subsequent, you just know there's so much. There's so much still that they have to cover. We still haven't gotten to Tony Kukoc yet. There's so much stuff that we have to cover that there's going to be all sorts of ancillary stuff that goes along with this. Extra stuff, stuff that was on the cutting room floor. I heard the director say that they just finished episode eight, like finished, finished it last week. So you know that there's stuff that they wish that they put in that hopefully there'll be an overtime element to this thing. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.